Welcome to the Apostolic Keynote Podcast from King of Faith Church. This message is by Colin Urquhart. The idea of having a keynote is so that we hear a key word from God that is going to help us to take the next step forward in his purposes. And during these uh, last few days... It's as if the Lord has said to me, I want you to take stock of the situation of where I have led you so far corporately and where, therefore, you need to go now so that we come to that full breakthrough and breakout that is our faith and expectation. There are... Two scriptures that have always, throughout the history of kingdom faith, been key scriptures. God brings us back to these biblical principles again and again. One is the only thing that counts is faith working through love. That needs to be the essence of our life. Life of faith being expressed in love. The other one is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. And when we don't see everything being added to us in the way that is necessary, that has always historically been because we have not been seeking first the kingdom of God in the way that God wants us to. So in these last few days, he's been talking to me afresh about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God in our lives, and what he wants to do amongst us to further the kingdom of God in this coming period of time. One of the surprising things that Jesus revealed during the course of his ministry is that the most precious gift that God can give to us is not the presence of Jesus in our lives. You would think that would be the most precious thing. But Jesus says, the treasure that is hidden in the field, for which a man will sell everything he has and go and buy the field so he can possess the treasure, is not the presence of Jesus, but the kingdom of God, the reign of Jesus, the sovereign reign of Jesus within our lives. He can be present within the lives of Christians, without reigning in their lives. The reign of God, the rule of God, the kingdom of God, is that pearl of great price that the merchant went and sold again everything that he had so that he could possess that pearl. So, of course, we rejoice in the presence of God and we love the presence of God when we worship, when we pray, to know his presence during the course of of our daily lives. But to God, what is of even greater importance is not that we are aware of his presence, but that he is actually reigning and ruling through our lives, because he is present. So just to rejoice in his presence, which is what is happening in a lot of places these days, uh, through, you know, worship and valuing the presence of God. I mean, we all value the presence of God, but God wants something more than that. He wants his sovereign rule and reign to be expressed in our lives. And... Uh, Of course, he has spoken to us about this 
repeatedly in, over the months, uh, showing us how important it is to see the sovereign will of God rather than the permissive will of God being worked out in our lives. Now, <laughs> last Sunday week, I preached a message in, in uh, the church in, in Horsham here about the journey to heaven. And I, clearly God led me to do this. And I thought at the time, Lord, we're, we're moving forward in your purposes. It seems that this is a, sort of a little to the side of that. Um, but I, you know, sought to obey the Lord, so I delivered the message that he laid on my heart. But what he's been showing me the last few days is actually that is a key message to what God is going to outwork in our lives during these coming months. The reason for that is that the life of the kingdom of God within us, the rule and the reign of God, is all about our journey to heaven. And as I said in that message, only those who possess the kingdom are qualified for the journey. That when you're born again, the journey begins. And that what God is taking us through as those who are disciples, followers of Jesus, is a whole process. The process, actually, of our journey to heaven. But it's a journey to heaven because we already possess the riches and the resources of the kingdom of heaven within us. Remember, Jesus said, fear not, little flock, your father has chosen to give you the kingdom. And you can't say the kingdom is over here or over there because the kingdom of God, the sovereign rule and reign of God is within you. So there is this process where God is taking us forward towards a destination. But as was clear in that message, it's not a destination we take alone. It's a destination we take together corporately. And also it's, it's a, a journey that we take where we have impact upon the lives of other people and gather them on the way to travel on this journey with us. So when Jesus preached the gospel, he only really had one subject. If you look at, the, if you look at all the, the evidence we have of what Jesus preached, he only had one subject, and that was the gospel of the kingdom of God. Everything is in one way or another about the life of the kingdom. He didn't talk about church. All he said about church is, I will build my church. You won't do it, I will do it. Your job is to go and preach the kingdom and then to demonstrate the works of the kingdom. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received all the riches and resources of the kingdom, so you are called to give away to others that which you have first received. And Jesus never preached so we read in scripture without using parables. And these parables are all parables of the kingdom of God. Most of them begin with the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like so and so. And one of the key parables which we know very well is the parable of the sower. And the sower is all about the journey. The parable of the sower is all about the journey. The seed that is sown by the sower is the seed of the kingdom. And in several of his, his um, parables, Jesus likens the kingdom of God to a seed. So when a person is born again, that seed of the kingdom is placed within the person. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, within a seed is contained potentially the plant or even the tree that will develop from the seed. If you take uh, the pip of um, 
of an apple and plant it, it will produce an apple tree that can produce many, many apples and so on. We all know the principle. But of course, while the pip is in your hand, it can produce nothing. It has to be sown. So God sows the seed of his kingdom into the hearts of those who turn to him with repentance and faith. That seed is to grow and develop to become fruitful. And in that parable of the sower, Jesus makes it clear that just possessing that seed, having, if you like, all the potential of what that seed could produce, does not actually deliver the goods. There are those that will reject the seed. That's the seed falling on the path. There are those that receive the seed with joy at first. They are like those who are like the rocky soil. But, you know, there's no depth. There's no depth in the word. There's no real depth of faith. And so when the pressure is on, they walk away. What had begun to grow in their lives withers and comes to nothing. But then Jesus talks about the seed that falls among the thorns and the weeds, the thistles. Now that seed grows up and and is developing towards fruitfulness. What the devil can't do is to take away the seed of the kingdom from anyone to whom God has given it. But what he does try to do is to prevent its growth to fruitfulness. So his purpose is to plant the weeds. You remember Jesus taught another parable about the wheat and the tares, the wheat and the weeds. Uh, And, you know, the disciples said, uh, uh, how how, how has this happened? And and, um, Jesus made it clear the devil sowed those things. And, and uh, you know, he sows the, the weeds among the wheat. So those weeds and thistles and thorns represent the ways in which the enemy has been able to stir up and to use the flesh, to choke the life of the spirit, the life of the kingdom, that which God has put within. And what Jesus warns in that parable, so this will give some of you a little indication of the answer to your forum this week. Uh, One of the things he warns in, in that is that the weeds will choke the life of the kingdom, even though the life of the kingdom is more powerful. If Christians allow the weeds, if they allow the things of the flesh to grow and develop in their lives, that will be more, that, that the, the result is that they will choke the effectiveness of what God has put within them. And therefore there will not be the fruitfulness that God intends. So in the good soil, people reproduce. Now, Right, in the, right at the beginning of Genesis, when God creates man, he says that man is to reproduce after his own kind. And that is true, of course, not only physically, we, you know, men and women produce children, but it's also true spiritually. That if we belong to the kingdom, we are to reproduce after our own kind. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times that which was sown. In other words, we are to seek to sow the seed of the kingdom within others. We can't be responsible for the way in which any individual allows that seed to grow up and develop in their life. But we can be those through whom God sows the seeds of the kingdom into the hearts and lives of others. In his version of this parable, Luke mentions only the hundredfold. 
And when Jesus explains to the disciples what this parable means, he says that those who bear the hundredfold fruit are those who hold fast to the word of God with an honest and good heart. In other words, they don't get seduced and drawn away from the purpose of God by the things of the flesh that would choke the life of the kingdom. But in the face of temptation, in the face of opposition, in the face of all the things of the world uh, that, that go on around us, the fruitful ones are those who hold fast to the word of God with honest and good hearts. So God gives us such hearts, gives us the Holy Spirit, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is the life of God, the love of God, the power of God, the presence of God within us that enables us to live the life of the kingdom. So he's given us everything that we need. He's equipped us in every way to actually fulfill his kingdom purposes. And when Jesus preached this parable of the sower, even the disciples did not readily understand what he meant at first. So they came to him and, and, and they, they said to him, Lord, why, why do you speak in parables? Wouldn't it be much better, uh, by implication they're saying, wouldn't it be much better for you to speak plainly so that everybody understands what you mean? What, of course, they were saying is, Lord, we don't understand ourselves. So Jesus made this amazing statement. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given to you, but not to them. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given to you, not to those who do not believe or who only have potential that is never realized. But to you who are called to fruitfulness, to you who are called to be my disciples, to you who are called to follow me and fulfill God's purpose and destiny in your life, to you is given the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. That means that we understand what people without the Spirit cannot understand. Paul says the unspiritual man cannot understand spiritual things because spiritual things can only be discerned through the activity of the Holy Spirit. So here Jesus is saying, things will become clear to you that are a mystery to other people. They're hidden from their understanding. But by implication, Jesus is saying, these things are revealed to you so that they can impact your life, so that you can live accordingly, so that you can express the life of the kingdom within your lives and so produce that fruit that will glorify the Father. And of course, he picks that theme up at the Last Supper when he's talking about being branches of the vine, that the Father is glorified by the branches bearing much fruit, fruit that lasts, fruit of eternal consequence, fruit that is really produced by the sowing of the seed of the kingdom of God in the lives of other people. It's very easy for us to get church-centered instead of kingdom-centered. We're always very conscious of this in kingdom faith, hence the title, kingdom faith. Uh, but it's very important that we don't just get caught up in sort of church mentality, but we keep that kingdom mentality all the time, that our purpose is to live the life of the kingdom, our purpose is to see the extension of the kingdom. So we want to see, we want to know that this process of growth of the kingdom within our lives is taking place all the time. And we're not allowing any weeds, any 
thistles and thorns to get rooted and so choke the life of the kingdom. Those things need to be uprooted immediately. The thing about this whole kingdom life is because it is the fruit, the product, if you like, of the reign of Christ within us. He knows and understands everything that's going on in our lives. I mean, we meet together here. And if we really want to see the Spirit of God move in the way that we desire and that he desires, then we teach you quite rightly when you first come here about how important it is to honor the anointing. If someone was to start texting on their phone or doing something else on their phone during the course of a meeting, that would not glorify the Lord. He would know about it, of course. Uh, Everybody else might think you're looking up a scripture or you might give the impression that that's what you're doing. But God could see that what you're actually doing is dishonoring the anointing when we're in a meeting together where everybody needs to be focused on honoring the anointing, on honoring the Holy Spirit. So even little things like that, you see, could, if they ever existed, I'm not saying they do, I don't know what you do with your phones when I see you going, I think, oh, that must have been a good word because now he's taking a note. I tend to think the best of all concerned. Uh, But you see, it's all a matter of focus. You see, if you, if you want to arrive at a destination, you have to maintain your focus. And when Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what he's saying is, that must always be your focus. And if you ever lose that focus you won't see the fulfillment of the promise. Everything else will be added to you. So the focus of our lives is not just to come here and enjoy the presence of Jesus every morning, but for God to further his rule and reign in our lives every morning. And that's why, you see, We are seeking God and seeking the furtherance of his kingdom. And that's why there's this sense in the praying, in the the worship, when, when everybody is really going for it, like you were at the beginning this morning. That's seeking. It's, it's fulfilling the way that Jesus taught us to pray that he was talking to us about a few weeks ago where God will honor the prayer, he will answer the prayer of those who cry out to him day and night. That's again in another of his parables, isn't it? About the kingdom. That actually those that belong to the kingdom are those who are crying out to God day and night. Not just praying in a nice, pretty way, but they're crying out to God. From their hearts, they're crying out to God. There's a time to be quiet, there's a time to be still, there's a time to shut up and listen to what God is saying. Um, We had a a great uh, 8 o'clock yesterday morning where there was this tremendous, I mean, there was only half of us here because only the students were here yesterday morning, but it was just so noisy at one point and then a little bit later, so quiet, there's lots of people on their face, on their knees, or just quietly meeting with God. That's the, that's the way so often the Holy Spirit leads. One moment, it's as if you're in the glory. The next, and you're in the glory. God is dealing with you. God is speaking to you. God is doing something deep in the hearts and lives of people. Comes out of really seeking God. So we need to have this attitude whenever we come in here for an eight o'clock every morning, I'm here not just to seek the Lord, but to seek first his kingdom in my life. I want to meet with God in such a way that he will further his sovereign rule and reign in my life. 
that that means that he will be able not only to work in me, not only to do stuff in me, but he will be able to work through me because of what he's done in me or because of what he's doing in me. So we just want to make sure that we are seeking first not just the Lord, but his kingdom, his sovereign rule and reign. I believe this is what God is saying to us. It's it's not that we're doing anything wrong. It's just that things need to be tweaked a little bit more. And then I believe he's saying we're going to see the release of what we desire, of what we need even. We will see all the provision we need. We will see uh, God supplying uh, in every other way. But he will also take us further on towards the goal of the breakout that um, he has been talking about. God will break out of our lives in a much greater way than we're seeing at present. And that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want. That's what we aspire to because we know that's the purpose of God. But you see, on this journey to heaven, you only get there the way that the Lord instructs us. In his word. We can't make our own way there. We can't plot our own course. And each of the ways that that I spoke about in that message, I'm not going to repeat it now, speaks of of something that is important uh, about that journey. You know, if we're in the train, the rails actually dictate the course that you're going to go, that you're going to go in. You don't choose your own way, but you're going the way of the train in which God has you. And so if you didn't, if you weren't there, didn't hear the message, listen to it online. So we are such a privileged people because, you see, God has given us the greatest treasure. He has given us the pearl of great price. He has given us what Jesus says is worth selling everything you have to possess. Not just the presence of Jesus, but the reign of Jesus, the rule of Jesus. God reigning in your life so that he can have his way and so that he can produce in you by the power of his spirit the fruit that will last and that will glorify him. Our wills, God will never interfere with. He won't make us, force us to do anything that he wants. We have to respond out of our own desire to do that. What is important, therefore, is that our will is in line with his will so that we desire what he desires for us. And one of the biggest difficulties about the whole Christian life is that sadly you will always have your own fleshly desires. Desires that are contrary to the desires of the spirit. I mean I've been a Christian for 70 odd years and or nearly 70 years now and and I still have those desires. I still have to stand against them uh, because the nature of the flesh will never change. And Jesus says that in your flesh it was nothing good. And if you read Paul's letters with wisdom, you will see that he doesn't say the flesh will ever be destroyed when you have died and been crucified with Christ. The flesh hasn't been destroyed, but you die to the flesh. That's, that's the essence of the thing. But the flesh itself sadly will be with you until your dying day. But when you go to glory in heaven, then you can enjoy the Lord without the world, without the flesh, and without the devil. Hallelujah. Life will be so much easier then, won't it? <laughs> but um, we have to stand against the desires of the flesh. Now, one of those desires of the flesh is not always recognized 
by Christians. Because one of those desires of the flesh is to actually take this journey to heaven in our way rather than in his way. To do things, even spiritual things, even good things, in the way we want to, rather than in the way he says. That's just as much a work of the flesh as fulfilling any other desire that is centered around self. What is the flesh life? It's the self life. And we can want to serve God in particular ways. We can even want to think that we know what to do next by depending upon our own understanding, our own reason and so on. Whereas, of course, God knows that the only way in which we can live this kingdom life is in the power of the Spirit, and that means that we are being led by the Spirit and even allowing our lives to be under the control of the Spirit. Paul actually uses that phrase. But what God desires more than anything in the life of his kingdom people is that the Holy Spirit is in control. Self isn't in control, but the Holy Spirit is in control. Because if the Holy Spirit is in control, God is in control. And you see, this is the nature of the flesh. I want to be in charge. I want to be in control. We're not talking about spirits of control that are demonic, that the devil wants to impose upon people. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. That if the Holy Spirit is in control, God is in control. What does it mean for Jesus to reign in our lives. It means God is in control. That we are actually doing what God wants us to do because we're allowing him to be in control. So is a process because you see we can say Jesus you're Lord you're, you're in control hallelujah you're my Lord because you only say that by the spirit but then Jesus says not everyone who says Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven so it's not just a question of calling me Lord, but allowing me to be Lord, allowing me to be in control, allowing me to have my way, not just saying, have your way, Lord, but then not allowing him to do so. And this is the the battle, if you like. This is the struggle we all have in our Christian life. Because, you see, the nature of the flesh, the nature of a self, is always want to, if not take back control, at least have an influence. You know, as if to say, well, Lord, let's, let's sit down and consider this together. What you want and what I want. Let's come to a Brexit compromise. <laughs> But you see, we don't want to break out of the kingdom. We want the kingdom to break out of us. And, and uh, that's, that's the whole point, you see, that we keep our focus on the kingdom, on the reign of Jesus. Keep ourselves submitted to that rule and reign. So, just as we draw this to a close, consider Jesus, because that's what the Lord was saying to us last Tuesday, wasn't it? Consider him. Now, why should Jesus sort of cut across everything else last last week and say, consider him? 
and then bring us this message as the next step after that. Consider him. When Jesus lived on earth, how did he live? He made it clear that he was not in control. The Father was in control. Why? Because he was submitted to the reign of his Father in his life. He couldn't preach about the kingdom without letting the Father exercise his reign through his life. So, Jesus was living the life of the kingdom as well as preaching about the kingdom. He could do the works of the kingdom because he was living the life of the kingdom. And so all those who came into contact with Jesus came into contact with the life of the kingdom. Now, he, if you like, had to take the journey to heaven, just as we do. It was necessary for him to live submitted to his father under the rule and the reign of his father while he was here on earth. That's why he said, the father is greater than I. Though he could say, I was, I'm, the father and I are one. If you see me, you've seen the father. During the days of his humanity, he had to remain in that place of submission. What was the key to that? His heart. And you remember Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am humble and gentle of heart. Jesus is making a tremendously important statement there. That the key to living the life of the kingdom and even being able to exercise the authority and the power that the kingdom gives us, the key to that is humility. Humility before God humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in due course he may lift us up. It's staying in that place of surrender to him, of submission to him. What does that look like in practice? What it looked like for Jesus. Jesus said, I can do nothing myself. So what does that mean? Well, I know what it means for me. It means I can do nothing myself. I can do absolutely nothing myself. I praise God for whatever I see him doing through my life and ministry, but I know that that's God, not me. That apart from him, I can do nothing. But if I seek to remain humbly submitted to his sovereign will so that he can reign in my life, then God is able to work through me in the way that he desires, at least to a certain extent. He may not be able to work through me perfectly because I'm not perfect and I'm Never, I don't think any of us are perfectly submitted to his will. Perfectly understand everything about him and what he wants to do in our lives. But he is able to work through me and he is able to work through us. And his purpose all the time is to work increasingly through us. So that that process that he speaks of in John 15 where the father is pruning us so that we become more fruitful actually takes effect in our lives.
be available. The Lord reminded me that when I sort of started out on this whole revival um, ministry, which really began in 1970, he said to me, just remember that what you did at that time that actually led to the revival that took place was when you evangelized, you offered people the gift of the kingdom. That's true. That's the way I have always evangelized all the way through my life and ministry because that's what Jesus did. He came with the offer of a kingdom. He didn't come and say, repent and do this and do that and do this and do that. He said, I've come with a gift. He began his ministry by saying, the time has come. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. I've come with a gift. I've come with the gift of the kingdom. Now repent and believe the good news and you will receive the gift I've come to give. As far as I'm concerned, that's the way Jesus evangelized. That's the way he sent the disciples out to evangelize. Go and preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received what? The kingdom. Freely give what? The kingdom. It's all about the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. And you see, if you lead people right at the beginning... To submission to the reign of Jesus, not just to the presence of Jesus. What you end up with is disciples who actually will live in revival, what we call revival. They're simply living out the gospel of the kingdom. Because that's what they're taught right from the beginning. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about the sovereign rule and reign of God. So you see, when when I first began to lead people to the Lord there in that church, they were all giving their lives in submission to God, obviously, but for what purpose? To live the life of the kingdom and therefore to be those who would sow the seeds of the kingdom into the lives of others. And that's how we're going to see growth, multiplication, the fulfillment of all the things that God has been promising us. That becomes the focus of prayer, that we see the kingdom come, and the will of God being done on earth, in our lives, in kingdom faith, in Horsham, in Crawley, in Worthing, in Burgess Hill, 25 mile radius, in the nation. We see the kingdom of God, the rule of God, the will of God. Let your kingdom come. That's how Jesus taught people to pray. Yes, focus on Father. Praise him as the Holy One and the substance of the prayer. Kingdom. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. Let your sovereign will, your kingdom will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And of course, if that is the substance of our lives, then our prayer will be so much more effective, won't it? Because you can't sort of pray for things to happen in others' lives if you're not prepared to pray for them to happen in your own life. So all the time, our expectation is that God's kingdom life will be growing up, developing within us so that that kingdom life is going to break out of us in tremendous fruitfulness. Somebody thought hallelujah but forgot to say it. Praise the Lord. Isn't he wonderful? And you see, God has us. He has us in this purpose. And you know, there's a, 
you often hear me pray, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. And uh, because I want him to come on and, and do more in me and to do more through me, to do more amongst us. Come on, Jesus. And I, I hear the echo coming back from heaven. Come on, Colin. <laughs> I'm saying, Jesus, come on, Jesus. He's saying, come on, Colin, come on, Colin. Come on, come on. I think he's saying that to all of us, isn't he? Come on, there's so much more I want to do, so much more I want to give you, so much more I want to impart, so much more I want to work through you. Come on, come on. That's why, you know, I love to hear that fervent prayer because it's the fervent prayer of the righteous that avails much. The scripture says, God loves that fervency. But he also wants that fervency in our hearts to be expressed in the way in which we yield ourselves, give ourselves to him. Oh, Lord. And it's wonderful. I mean, I can look back over a long life now of, of ministry and be just so thankful to the Lord that it's the greatest way to live. To live for the cause of the kingdom. I mean, if you're a Christian and you don't live for the cause of the kingdom, you haven't yet discovered what it means to be a Christian. Because that sums up the purpose, God's purpose for every Christian to live for the cause of the kingdom. What is a church? A church is a group of people that are living for the cause of the kingdom. Hallelujah. That is first in their lives. Seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. We've got these wonderful promises. We know we're know on the verge, we know we're on the verge of something really great and wonderful from God. What's he waiting for? kingdom to be first in our hearts and lives and therefore for that love for him and for one another that unity where one heart one mind that unity that commands the blessing what a God infinitely wise not giving us what we want when we want it but he says no I'm waiting till you're ready because when that breakout time comes fully, I mean, it's a sense in which, you know, it's a process. <coughs> but when that, that process really comes, we see the life and the power of God breaking out in the way that he wants. We're going to see so much fruitfulness, so much of the glory of God, not only in our lives, but being revealed in the lives of others. It's worth living for. I'll finish with this. Hopefully. <laughs> I can remember the first time I ever led somebody to the Lord. You know what my My feeling was, my reaction was to that. I said to God, thank you, Lord. I now know that my life has been worth living. Because somebody else will be in heaven for all eternity because of the way, by your grace, that you've used me 
first fruit. Praise God, I've seen thousands, probably tens of thousands, come to the Lord since then. But the first one was so precious because it just showed me the value that God places on our lives, the value of that fruitfulness of seeing the kingdom extended. And I praise God every day that all over the world, the kingdom of God is being extended. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. That there's a great multitude of people coming to the Lord today. There will be thousands coming to the Lord today over the world, across the world. Thousands tomorrow. There will be probably hundreds, if not thousands of backsliders coming back to the Lord today. And I praise God for every one of them because, you see, now God is going to be glorified in lives where before he wasn't being glorified. And that's what it's all about. We seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that God will be glorified in our lives by the outworking of his will and purpose for us, by being able to work through us and produce the fruit that will give glory and honor to him. I haven't told you really very much that you didn't already know this morning, but you see, the the purpose of, of preaching is not just to find some amazing new revelation that people have never heard but to ensure that all of us are living out the revelation we've already received what's the point of having more revelation if we're not living in the good of that which we have already been given by God thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.